We are on series number three, the the Freedom Series. And so tonight is... How many have been enjoying the series? How many have been experiencing some freedom? Praise God. Freedom is good in all areas. And it's uh, been a great study, and I hope you've enjoyed it. So let's just open up in prayer, and we'll just jump right into it. Heavenly Father, we just come before you in your mighty name. Thank you, Father, for such great love that you sent Jesus to deliver us, set us free, break off bondages. Thank you for the anointing that destroys those things that have attached themselves to us. And so tonight we want to be free from rejection and shame. So we just ask the Holy Spirit to come in and minister to us and get truth in us that we truly can be free. Lord, we love you. Thank you for leading and guiding us in Jesus' name. Everyone said. Amen. 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 Well, as we go through this series and tonight talking about uh, rejection and shame, you know, uh, every one of us in, in this room and watching online, we have dealt with this subject at some point or another because life happens. And uh, you are not guaranteed that everybody is going to accept you or think you're wonderful or say everything sweet and kind to you. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, then shame, you're not, you're not going to be an individual who, who lives a perfect life. And so when you don't live a perfect life, shame can attach itself to us. So every one of us uh, is affected by this subject. In fact, when we were studying my husband um, had pages and pages of notes, and then I saw him actually crying as he was studying, and he said, you know, I think rejection and shame is like a message to everybody in ministry, and so if you don't get anything out of tonight, your pastor's got something, because every minister of the gospel does deal with rejection and shame, and so we are excited to go through this and get some freedom tonight. Yeah, it hit a little bit home. It did um, hit home. So just to illustrate kind of uh, how shame and, and rejection kind of attaches it, and it's just all these subjects that we're hitting. So as most of you know, uh, I broke my back uh, six years ago. And so one of the things in uh, recovery for me was the doctors were telling me that I'm walking funny. And so they're, you know, I'd, and Starlene would, Greg, you, you're getting, and I'd walk, hunched over, and I'd, I just had this weird walk about me. And so the, the physical trainers were just like, you have to force yourself to walk right. Because of your injury, you're compensating, and that's going to create other problems. In your, how many know what I'm talking about? When you hurt yourself, you overcompensate the physical somewhere else. physical therapist is <clears throat> really aware of this. And so, Even if it hurts, you have to walk straight. And so when we've been hurt by rejection or shame, it hurts us, and so we end up trying to compensate for the injury. And so we end up getting this crooked posture and weird walk of life because we're dragging this hurt with us as we go through life. And so that's really the point. Jesus wants to get us, get our posture back, get our walk back, get freedom. So when we go, John chapter 8, verse 36 is kind of our 
key scripture that this is all coming out of. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. free. Yes. When the Son sets free is free indeed, Woo. King James. So let's get into rejection and what is rejection. I don't think anyone really, we really need to, <laughs> too much explanation, but just for the sake of defining Well, it. it is an attack on our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And so we get attacked there when we feel that rejection. And, um, you know, this could be from, this could be even from your parents. This could be from a spouse. This could be from your children. This can be from your friends. This rejection can happen from anyone. And we're all susceptible to it. It could be from hurtful words that were said over you. You know, as we were studying this, um, my husband brought up some words that... uh, a relative had said to me and the words were about shame and which is what we're studying and it was interesting as soon as he said that how many know what a trigger is I literally saw their face in front of me with their eyes bulging out saying these words over me I could it was like you know because it just it just was a flash and I realized, whoo, I need to get complete. I, I realized there's still a little bit of tinge. How many know when, when you get flashbacks that kind of like they hurt still? Like, oh, I might need some more healing there. Do you know what I'm talking about? I was like, whoa, okay, I need a little more healing there because I felt that. It wasn't just I saw it. I literally felt that feeling that I felt when that person was attacking me. You know, we all probably experienced the little playground rejection or picking teams and stuff and then don't want you, you know. And, you know, so we You're the last one to get picked. We live with these things so much of our life. Um, and But you need to understand the devil, this is a really good tool that the devil uses to attack people with. And honestly, it's very effective. And so we need to expose it for what it is and... Uh, replace that rejection with the truth of God's word in our lives. Let's talk about what it actually can do to us, because since we've pretty much recognized that all of us deal with it, um, some of the the things that come as a result of it is is it makes us really self-independent. We want to be in control because we don't like that feeling of pain that was created from those words or those feelings. So we try to protect ourselves. It's almost a a self-protection we go into, but as a result of it, it's like, I've got to be in control because this hurts too much. You ever been there? (laughs) We tell ourselves, uh, I don't need anybody else in my life. Anybody ever heard those words? I don't need anybody. Those words are coming out of pain. That's all that is, is painful words speaking and God never designed for us his original plan is that we don't know what rejection is but we live in this fallen world and so it's unfortunate but this is not God's plan so we deal with rejection in this world Um, but from the very beginning God has loved for us the Bible says he knew you before you were born and he marked you with his love and the enemy wants to advert that love and yeah. replace it with rejection. And that's the heartbreak. And so God, in his desperation, is trying to get his message to each and every one of us. You are valuable. 
You are loved. Throughout the scripture, it says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So that you can boldly live your life with that confidence, I am loved. So if we don't get some freedom from God's word on this subject, there are three natural ways that our society deals with it. And I shouldn't just even say society. I should say us. If we don't get healing from God's word on these subjects, especially when we feel rejected, this is the natural tendency that people will do. And I've already mentioned the first one. And the first one is pride and control. We will naturally go to that. We will naturally want to take care of ourselves um, because we feel that rejection and we want to control the situation where we don't want to feel that anymore. So example A, when I was a little girl, um, my, my parents were very, very, my mom was not athletic. My dad kind of was, but my dad worked so much, I really never saw my dad. So he worked literally three jobs, and mom didn't work at all. So we saw dad on Sundays, and that was it. So my athleticism was strictly on whatever I could muster up to learn on my own. And I knew I had something in me to learn, but I, I didn't have a teacher. I didn't have a mom or a dad. Or, and my older siblings were like nuts to, to ath- athletes. We're not doing it. But in my brain, I'm like, I kind of like the whole athletic thing. But I didn't have anybody, a sibling or anybody to teach me. So in school, I was exactly that kid of when the baseball team was being, they went, well, Starling doesn't know how to play baseball. So I was the last one. So what I learned was I'm not going to have that feeling of rejection anymore. I'm not going to get in line to be on a team. So even though I wanted to learn, rather the pain of rejection was more than the pain of learning. So instead, I just said I'm going to remove myself from being in line to be on a team because I don't want to deal with rejection. And that is, that's a natural thing without God's help without God being able to show us through his word how to overcome rejection. And so that grows into our life where we can get close to people to a certain area, but instead of getting rejected, we reject them before they have a chance to reject us. And so that comes out of uh, heartache. And, you know, in our society, and I don't know what the answer is, I'm just going to say this, but as a word of caution, um, in the dating world, um, dating is, uh, our, it's, it's, we got to do it and we should, it's all good and right. But the caution is sometimes when we're dating new people over and over and over, we're practicing divorce. We get into a relationship, we dump them, we break up, we get into a new relationship. Or we, we get them. rejected, they break up with us. And so it's, it's practicing this hurt in our heart and so and it's really practicing divorce you know at a low level and then we get into a marriage and then things words are said fights and stuff and we've already practiced rejection in the dating world we're and not so saying to date someone forever and just say no. because i date them but uh but we have but to protect a, our it, hearts there is a there is a, a there's there. a caution there <laughs> Yeah. Just not jumping into relationships without, you know, getting some good, healthy boundaries and and some advice and Mm -hmm. stuff in our lives. Right. Um, Anyway, that was a little So the second one, so the first one was pride and control. The second one is lust. 
So many times as a result of hurt, somebody, you're looking for another individual to affirm you. Because if you have lacked affirmation, so let me give you an example. If you're an individual who you didn't, you didn't get affirmation from your family or your home life, then you're searching for it in another individual. You're lusting for affirmation. You're craving affirmation. And so the first person that comes along that tells you you're beautiful or you're sexy or you're, you're just amazing you know, that's how you find people in unhealthy relationships. And you, many, have you ever scratched your head and go, how on earth did they go for them? <laughs> you're not raising your hands. I mean, come on. Sometimes you're just like, huh? Why is that? Because that person on the inside is dealing, has a need for someone to affirm them. They have been rejected, so therefore they're craving affirmation and they're lusting after someone to tell me I'm beautiful somebody to tell me I'm I'm the most wonderful person on the earth and so therefore once again that can lead to an unhealthy relationship sexual lust can lead us to look outside of the marriage for affirmation because when you're in a marriage and you are doing chores and you're doing children and you're doing schedules Sometimes that affirmation is not what it should be. Anybody there? You're going, I need a lot of I loved yous and I look pretty. So, you know, I, I'm, we're pretty honest in our relationship. And there are times when I just say, you haven't told me I'm pretty in a long time. I just tell it like it is. And he's like, oh. But here's why I do it. Because if that is tinged up in me and I'm not open about it, I'm susceptible to some Joe Blow who tells me I'm pretty. Are you following me? This is practical stuff to help you. You have to be healthy in yourself through the word of God and be healed up and free from that and not looking for somebody else to affirm. You know, I'd just say this because, I mean, this is, this is life. Um, you've mentioned, too, when you've been out and about, and somebody's hit on you, and she's told me about it, and uh, so I went and killed them. But, um, <coughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. would never do that. <laughs> just wanted to see if you're awake. Um, <coughs> but I appreciate that because of her honesty. It's like other people out there think she's pretty, and so I got to be affirming her and loving her and telling her. And so the thing is, if we're not getting that in the home, these are how affairs happen in the workplace. You know, somebody, th these conversations, and they start affirming and saying all the sweet nothings. And, well, my spouse says those things to me. My spouse doesn't say that so, to me. So we got to have healthy relationships as a as a. The, the point of well, it. the spirit, I'm just going to go to the spirit of rejection because it really is a spirit. It is something that the enemy would love to use in your life to make you feel like you are not loved enough. You are not looked upon enough. You're not appreciated enough. And that spirit of rejection, when it comes on you, you think even in a relationship well, I'll never be enough. I'll never be good enough for my spouse. And those kind of sayings come out in fights. Well, 
I'll just never be good enough for you. Watch the words that come out of you. They're coming from a spirit of rejection. Yep. And then, you know, when we're alone and don't have a spouse, you know, it's, it's easy the enemy to just come and put that rejection in our hearts. Right. You'll never be married. There's no one out there for you. I'll always be alone. And so, you know, God wants to heal us of all this. The third thing. So the first one was uh, pride, lust. The second, third one is possessions and escaping our our life of feeling rejected. And so we'll delve into if I can have another thing, something new, get my mind off it, or go on another vacation. And we actually if have. If I somebody, had a new house, I'd be happy. If I had a better car. We actually know somebody that um, going through rejection in their life on a couple different levels and so last year they went on over six cruises it's like okay i mean cruise is great but six wow you know and so that's just kind of you can see how they're trying to escape the rejection and the pain that they're dealing with by you know doing whatever something that'll just make them happy for a little bit but you know we got to be get healed and and that's what the enemy wants you to do if you, if you had that you'll be happy if you go there you'll be happy those you, are natural things so how many when you've you've had some hurt in your life you know you you start looking online where can i go to 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 get away i mean am i the only hand that's in this place i'm the only honest one you've never thought a vacation would make me happy i mean so some of that, okay, they're all online. These people are saints in here. <laughs> but, you know, and some of it, I, I, when I'm going through something, I do just scroll fun things that would be places to go, but I don't always follow through with it because I know my brain just wanted to escape for a few minutes. But the problem is we think a vacation will solve it, but here's what happens when you get back from vacation you still have to deal with what's in front of you. And so if you, you can either deal with it then or you can deal with it later, but you're still going to have to deal with it. A vacation isn't going to make everything just go away. And so getting free and freedom from rejection is crucial. It's crucial. So let's go in and hear what God's word has to say about rejection. This, and this is the is, good part. This is the stuff where the exciting part. God's word can heal us. So write these scriptures down. Listen really well because these are powerful scriptures. Romans chapter 1 verse 7 says God loves and has called and has called to be called you to be his own people. Isaiah 41:9 out of the NIV. I took you from the ends of the earth from its farthest corners I called you, and I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. Did you hear that promise? God said, I haven't rejected you. In other words, you will experience rejection in this world because you live in a fallen world, number one, and you live with humans who are not perfect. And God made us to, to be loved and to share relationships with people. That is God's design. And through that, uh, mm -hmm. we can experience uh, a deepness 
with others and with God. And so rejection warps us in relationships and our view of God. So we need to be healed of this. Psalms chapter 27, verse 10, NLT. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Wow. You know, I've talked to many individuals who've been adopted, and that spirit of rejection, if they don't get healed from it, it creeps up. And they'll be like, well, my parents actually abandoned me. You know, so that that is coming out of them. Well, guess what? There is somebody who loved you so much and actually chose you. And more than just an individual choosing you, God chose you. And God says, I will hold you close. I will never reject you. That's good. Psalms 139 verse 14. Love this one. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. You know, no matter what people have told you or, you know, you're here, but you were a mistake. You weren't planned and blah, blah, blah. You know, hurtful words that are people speak over us. You know, these are the scriptures that we cling to and we find healing from that. Yeah. Okay. Isaiah 54, 17. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. That's you. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. Wow. You know, you may not be able to control your past. You may not be able to control what your mom and dad said over you or your relatives said over you. You can't control everything, but you can lean in on the word of God and the promises of God and the comfort of God and the strength of God and the joy of God. I mean, I could go on and on. The promises that God wants for each one of us is amazing. You know, one of the things in that scripture there, it says, you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. Mm -hmm. And that voice of rejection needs to be dealt with The Bible tells us to renew our mind, to take thoughts captive. And so these thoughts of rejection, um, we got to silence those voices. So take that. And it says, look what it says. But but in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. So just because we're a believer doesn't mean weapons won't be turned against us. It just means they may say the things and do the things and whatever. But we won't be affected by that weapon that was pointed at us. But we got to do our part and silence that voice. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That's how he sees us. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, he sees you as being raised up together like Christ was raised from the dead. And Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's saying there, hey, guess what? That's your privilege too. Can you just see Jesus if you feel you're rejected? He's at the right hand of the Father and he's looking at you and he's like, come sit next to me. Come sit next to me. This is where you belong, right next to me. 
in this heavenly place. Look down on those troubles and those things because we're far above it and you're seated right next to me. Come here. Come on. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Aren't those some great scriptures? So here's the deal. Yeah, it is worth a clap. Those are amazing scriptures. So truth can free us. This, what we just read is truth. And truth can set you free. Can I just say this too? Um, words and being rejected, it's, I think they say, Kelly, you might know, but it's, it's like a 10 to 1 ratio. You know, one, one negative word will stick more than 10 positive words or, you know, makes it kind of balanced out or something like that. You know, there's a, so the negative things that happen to us create an emotional experience in us and they kind of make a big lasting memory in our life. And so that's one of the reasons why God says you need to be in the word and you need to wash yourself because you need some new thoughts to hear. You need to hear the love of God that is for you and not against you, that you will never be left, you'll never be forsaken. Because if we just leave our soul to the words of rejection and the actions of others. The struggle's real. Yeah. Okay, so let's be honest. The struggle is real because you do have triggers. You do have things where all of a sudden you remember that, that harsh conversation or you remember how you felt when you were rejected. So the struggle is real. The, the question is, are you going to accept the rejection as truth or are you going to accept the word of God as truth in here? Because here's where the whole struggle goes. Right between your ears, the struggle is real. You can either accept the lies or you can accept the word of God's truth about you. And the, the struggle goes on, and you have a choice. Am I going to be free and believe it? Or am I going to continue to rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it? Curse it. And curse it and nurse it in my brain. Because that's what our tendency is if we don't really saturate ourselves with the truth of God's love for us. Does anybody know how faith comes into our life? Hearing and hearing. By hearing and hearing. And hearing. You know, the Bible says, how can they believe unless somebody is sent? How, how, can, how can they hear? You know, how, anyway, there's a process of someone being sent, someone speaking, and then someone receiving what is spoken, and then someone confessing. And that's kind of how we come into salvation. But when rejection operates the same way, Satan sent a messenger to say something or do something to us. We felt it. We heard it. We experienced it. And then, like faith being developed, we can believe those words of rejection, and they create the same power in our life that faith does. So that's why we have to renew our mind. We've got to be, hear the word of God so we can push out those words of rejection that we've accepted. And we need to realize those are lies. They're not from God. They are demonic in nature. And I am getting free from them. Everyone say, I'm getting free from rejection. I'm getting free from rejection. And another key component here is, is the word forgiveness. 
because when we're dealing with triggers and, and those flashbacks that come to us of when we felt the pain of rejection, if we don't learn to forgive, those triggers continue to go in our brain. Forgiveness is a key ingredient. Forgiveness has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you because you're the one that will be held in bondage when you walk in unforgiveness. I have recently had conversations with individuals where they told me, well, I'm having a really hard time with forgiving right now. And I just looked at them and I said, well, then you're probably not doing very well. Because if, if you haven't been able to get that off of your shoulders and out of your mind, you're not in a good place. I said, I bet you're not even sleeping good. And they're like, how'd you know? I'm like, well, because that's what unforgiveness does. It holds you captive. It's not the other person in captivity. It's you. And they're like, but I have every right. And I'm like, of course. But that's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is not about, oh, well, so-and-so, you know, they, they really did wrong. Okay, they did wrong. It's not excusing that what they did was right. That has nothing to do with forgiveness. You know, the individual who, who goes and kills uh, an, an innocent child and the parents have to forgive, it doesn't mean that that was okay. It was horrific. It was horrible. It was wrong, demonic, whatever you want to call it. But forgiveness will free the parents because unforgiveness will cause those parents to be in turmoil and churning at night and never having rest, never being able to sleep. And honestly, it will get to the marriage because unforgiveness is like a cancer and it just spreads into all the relationships. So unforgiveness is a key ingredient of rejection. So wrap this up before we move on to shame. How do we overcome rejection? Three points. They're not easy. Yeah. But number one, expose that rejection. Where have, where have you been rejected in your life? Expose it. Number two, reject the lie that you weren't worthy enough or the words that were spoken. Just realize those, were, those aren't the truth. Yeah. Number three, by believing the truth and agreeing with God's word. So good. So good. It's, I mean, I, I hate to say those are three simple things. They're not simple. They're not. And they're, they're deep, and they're heartfelt, and they affect us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just like anything, we have to address those areas in our life right. that hurt us and uh, expose it. Right. You know, and the devil, and I'll just say this from personal experience, the devil wants to keep that in darkness, that rejection. He doesn't want you to uncover it. Because then he starts being defeated when it's exposed. But it takes a lot of courage sometimes to expose those things and, uh, and get free and realize and look at that thing in your life and go, that is a lie. That is not the truth that yeah. is on me. God's yeah. word is the truth. And so we just got to replace those lies with his word. We're going to have some good time at the end of declaring some word of God over our lives and getting free. But let's talk about what shame is. What is shame? Shame is the intense, painful feeling that we are unworthy of love and unworthy of belonging. It's a negative opinion of yourself because you have honestly have a wrong opinion of God's view of you. And you have a wrong view of how he sees you and how he loves you. You know, and I'll just, just pause right th- 
there. Uh, you know, sometimes we mess up and we sin in life and things happen. I mean, you know, we're all sinners. But uh, thank God he transferred us from the sin, sinner state to the righteous state. The Bible says that we're no longer, when we accept Christ and we're forgiven, we're no longer sinners, but we're made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Well, that's a lot of righteousness. That's a lot of being made right. Because we can't become right in ourselves. We have to be made right by Jesus Christ. And so before that revelation really took a work in my life, my view of God was he's constantly mad at me. <laughs> you know? And that creates all kinds of other problems. And so I just thought God was mad. And you're just looking for an opportunity to thump me on the head. And, but, and that was a wrong opinion. And what is, do, does that? Shame. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible thing. Let's talk about the difference between shame and guilt because they are different. Uh, guilt is when you feel bad about something you, you did. Shame is it being about who you are, you as a person. You know, guilt, many times you feel guilty over something because you need to get the blood of Jesus on it. It's, it's conviction. You need to be convicted of something so you can make it right. You can get the blood of Jesus on it. You could ask for forgiveness. And, and I'm going to say this about, about when you go to someone and say, I'm sorry, because there's, you, you know, you feel shameful about something you said or did. Don't just say you're sorry. Can you follow it up with a question? Will you forgive me? And here's why I say that. Because all of a sudden, the person that you are talking to has a choice for themselves to be free also. Because they can either say yes or no. So if they say yes, they are getting free from it too. Many times, even in a, in a family, someone will say, oh, I'm sorry. It really just kind of ends there, and everybody's still kind of hurt and all upset, and it's still a mess. But if you follow it up with, will you forgive me? Then there's a choice that has to be made, and there's freedom that can take place in both parties. If they say no, I actually said that to one individual, and they said no. I was like, well, okay, that's, that's, that's up to you. Shame on you. I did not no. say that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sensitive stuff, and I'm making fun of it. Um, okay, it's just a funny story. I got to tell you. It was actually, I was late to a nail appointment. And, and I could tell that the lady was mad, mad, mad at me. And I said, I am really sorry. Still mad. She's doing my nails like really hard. And I, I knew I had to follow up. I said, will you forgive me for being late to this appointment? And she looked up at me and she said, no. Said, okay. It was a, I did tip her, but that was the last time I went to her. <laughs> did not go back. I forgave her, but I tipped her. And thought, I'm not going back. But shame is, is a horrible thing because it's, when we look in the mirror, we don't see the beautiful creation you are that God designed you. Shame, when we look in the mirror, will, that reflection back is shameful to us. And that is such an evil thing that we've got to get free of. 
and and shame is highly connected to addictions and and pornography and depression and anxiety and aggression and outbursts of craziness and yeah. all kinds of disorders. So shame is a, is a thing that the devil obviously wants to bind us up with and just ruin our life. And that's why Jesus came to set us free from shame. So we want to ask some questions to help trigger our brains, whether this might be like the Holy Spirit tapping on your shoulder going, maybe you do deal with a little bit of this. Um, and why do we want to do this? Second Corinthians 2.11 says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. So sometimes being aware of something is really, really good because the devil might have some of you in bondage of shame and you're not even addressing it. You're just trying to sweep it under the carpet like, I don't deal with that. I don't deal with that. So I, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes, and I'm just going to ask some questions. And this is just between you and God. Do you often think that you don't measure up? Do you feel like you are constantly doing stupid things or making embarrassing mistakes? Is it common for you to feel like you need to explain or call someone back after a conversation and fix what you said? Do you struggle with insecurities? Do you struggle with how you look? Do you feel like you are never good enough? Do you struggle with the same sin over and over and over? Do you think no one likes you? Do you say, I always followed by something negative? Okay, open your eyes. So I don't know. That might have triggered some of you. Might have some of you might went, oh, maybe, maybe I do do that. You know, these are, these are just little, I mean, we could have had a gazillion questions. Because shame comes in all kinds of packages. But those are just a few examples of where the enemy would like to just put a little shame in you. And we need to examine them and we need to say, you know, is shame coming at me or has shame gotten in me? Now, what do I mean by that? The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. You cannot stop the enemy from putting a thought in your brain. You can stop it from having a deep conversation in your brain and hanging out in your brain. Another thing I call it is changing the channel in your brain. And sometimes I've had to change the channel every 60 seconds. Are you, are you all there? You know, when you're laying in bed and every 60 seconds something else pops in your head and all of a sudden I go, nope, nope, I'm not going to, uh-uh, we're not going to go there. 60 seconds later, uh-uh-uh-uh, we're not going there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Shame wants to attack you, and you can't prevent the thought coming at you, but you can sure prevent it from having a deep conversation in your brain. You know, one of your Starlinisms is <laughs> there's nothing inside of me that that, say it. There's nothing in Starlene for that to attach itself to. When temptation comes your way, when shame comes your way, when reject, there's nothing in Starlene for that to attach itself to. And it wants to. It wants to attach in my brain just as much as in your brain. 
But it is a conscious effort of, no, 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 we're not going there. We're not going there. We're not going to have a whole conversation in the brain right now over that. And here's one of the problems with shame among Christians and people that go to church is that we often try to fix shame by doing a bunch of good works. We try to overcompensate for, well, I got to be good enough, so I got to do all this stuff to make God happy and, and be accepted. And that can happen in a home or whatever, but it, it happens in church often. And Isaiah 64, 6 just kind of puts a downer on our good works. He says, when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. In other words, what he's really trying to communicate to us is trying to get good enough will never be good enough. And so we need to accept that Jesus is good enough for us. And he's done everything. That you know, what do. you're talking about is a key tactic of the enemy because he would love for you to keep trying and trying to be good enough. Like, you know, telling you don't pray enough. You don't read your Bible. Enough. I mean, you could be praying an hour and the devil could be like, you don't pray enough. It don't matter. You he need will constantly. Two hours. Because, the, yeah, the problem day. is it will never be enough. That's, that's the enemy's tactic. He will constantly shame you to think you're not good enough. Like, look at Joe, Joe Blow over there. Man, they're doing all this, and what are you doing? You know, constantly it will never be enough. Shame. And that's a road that never ends. Yeah. And in shame, shame is just, it's just a big cover-up. And uh, so we just, that's a, why we got to expose it and get the blood of Jesus over it. And shame is, is really a deadly weapon used against us, and it keeps us from our potential. It keeps us from a satisfying life. You know, your prayer time, whether it's small or large, it can be rich and good. You know, shame, it's just, it's horrible. Right. And so... So what we talked about Sunday, we had, a, we had a big discussion about blood on Sunday. And really, it is the blood. We, saw, we talked about how the Old Testament, they were slaughtering all the animals, and Jesus fulfilled that. But Jesus' blood is the answer to shame. Because as we saw Sunday, the, the illustration of, you know, the, the animals covered sin, but Jesus removes sin. And so when it comes to shame, the blood of Jesus wants to remove the shame that is on us. So good. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 through 18, it says, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Yeah. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom! <laughs> so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Woo! And so, again, like rejection, we need the Word of God to, to cleanse us and renew us and get some new thoughts. So, you ready for some good scriptures on shame? Okay? 
Let's listen to God's word when it comes to this topic, because there's some, we're just going to give you a few. There's so many, but here's a few good ones to saturate our brains on, okay? Here we go. Ephesians 5, 25, just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word. How many in the church? Part of the church, not IBC, but the, the church, body of Christ. We are cleansed. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with the pure water. Okay, Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 54 and verse 4. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. Anybody ever had that horrible feeling of feeling humiliation? Okay, there's a scripture for you. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. Woo, that's a good one. Isaiah 53, or excuse me, Isaiah 43, 25. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Did you realize what that said? He says he's blotting out your sins not for your sake. He's blotting them out for his sake. That goes with forgiveness. That's what we just talked about, how forgiveness is not about the other person. It's for you. So God is saying, I didn't do this for you. I did this for me because I want a good relationship. Just like you want a healthy relationship with your family, God wants a healthy relationship with his family, with his church. And he's like, I'm doing this so I can commune with you, so you can be righteous. You can be in right standing with me. Therefore, when you ask for the blood, guess what? It is made available for you, and it not only covers it, it blots it out. It removes it as far as the east is from the west is what the Bible says. That's what he's provided for us. Now, here's, I hope you're getting a picture of this. (laughs) Right? When we walk in shame... And we tell the Lord, I'm not good enough. We're insulting him and the blood he shed. We're insulting him. And, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. I, I, I say that in a way that it just causes us to draw close to him. You know, last week we had the mirrors. Last Wednesday night we had all the mirrors and we looked at ourselves in the mirrors. But I thought of the mirror even tonight. Uh, Many times we look in the mirror and we don't think we're pretty. We don't think we're handsome. And God's saying, "Uh, excuse me, I made you. I think you're gorgeous. Come on. Are you hearing me? Okay, let's keep going. Psalms 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry, and he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground, and he, see, he steadied me as I walked along. I don't know about you, but I've, I love that verse that he steadied me, because sometimes in life I have felt like, whoa, there is a whirlwind around me. This is a intense storm he steadies me in the midst of a storm 
He lifted us out of despair mm -hmm. and the mud and mire. That's Come on. Right. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms 34, 5. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their face. <laughs> Woo. Okay. So I don't know. This shame, ought to just make us happy. Shame, shame affects the face. So if you have a sour face, if you frown a lot, you might want to do a checkup from the neck up. What are you thinking about? Are you shaming yourself? Are you, are you experiencing the rejection we talked about? Because if that's what's going around in your brain, it's going to affect your face. The Bible just said that. It'll darken your face. You know, um, in December, we met a family member that we haven't seen in probably 30 years. And uh, when we saw them last, you know, you could just see there was an emptiness on their face. There was a darkness in their face. There was gloom and doom. And so... You know, totally recognizable. We knew who they were by, by looking, but I'm telling you, they had been looking to the Lord for help, yep. and his face was radiant. radiant. I mean, have you ever seen a transfer? And some of you, probably, you got saved, and your friends and family are like, man, what? what? Well, in fact, people were coming up to him going, you've changed. And it was a good change because the face was smiling. The face was happy. The face had changed because God had changed them. They were no longer gloom and doom and shame and rejection, which was all. I mean, if you knew this guy's story, he had every right to have that shame and rejection look. Okay? Because a lot of people go, well, you don't know my story. Yeah, this, this person had, I mean, if I, if I told you the whole story, you'd be like, It would be depressing. Whoa. I mean, it was that kind of story. It was horrific story. But to see the transformation and literally a glow. You know, they say your eyes yeah, the are eyes. a gateway to your soul. Yeah. And, you know, you can look and you may, maybe they not be smiling, but freedom. looking in someone's eyes, man, you can see. And so I'm telling you, if shame has been affecting you like a weapon from the enemy, we need to do what this verse says and just look for the Lord for help to be free from shame and let your eyes just brighten up. Let the Lord brighten your eyes in the image. I want you to close your eyes again. And I want to give you some truth over shame. The truth is you are loved from the creator of the world. Jesus Christ has redeemed you from shame. The truth, you are forgiven. Tonight, let silence the accuser. The truth, by the blood of Jesus, we are tearing down tonight the veil of shame. Talk about truth over rejection. Keep your eyes closed. We need to forgive those who've rejected us. Truth is, God wants to heal you from words that were spoken over you. Healing you from being rejected by parents, spouses, siblings, friends, whoever. 
truth. God wants to heal you from the cycle of rejecting yourself. I want us to stand. We're going to make some declarations together. We're going to declare some things over all of our lives tonight. And those watching online, I want you to begin to repeat these declarations also. These are things from the Word of God to declare over ourselves tonight. That's right. I want everybody to say, I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. If God is for me, who God can be is, against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? I am chosen by God. I'm chosen by God. He has not rejected me. He has not rejected me. God loves me so much. God loves me so much. That he gave his only son for me. That he gave his only son for me. He chose me and appointed me. He to, chose me and appointed me. To bear good fruit. To bear good fruit. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let's close our eyes again. We're going to pray. Lord, I thank you that everything in your word that we have read tonight, everything that you have said over us, and even more that we couldn't even have time to read all that the promises that you say over us. But tonight, we choose to say it is truth. It is true for me. Come on, point at yourself. Say, it's true for me. It's true for me. And I'm going to declare, Father, I am holy and blameless. I am redeemed through the blood of Jesus. I'm an heir of heaven. I am an heir of heaven. I am seated in heavenly places. I am seated in heavenly places. I am God's workmanship. I am God's workmanship. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a new creation. I am a new creation. I'm a citizen of heaven. I am a citizen of heaven. I am rooted and grounded in love. I am rooted and grounded in love. I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. I am an overcomer. I am healed. I am healed. And I am free. And I am free. In Jesus' name. Jesus Come on, name. rejoice, rejoice. Ooh, thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word tonight. Thank I you, thank you for what you have said over us. Come on, thank him, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're so grateful for the word of God that has so much to say over us freedom in your word tonight freedom father i thank you for freedom for your people tonight freedom from your people freedom in this house tonight freedom for those that are hearing my voice right now freedom for those who are watching right now online freedom freedom from rejection freedom from shame oh we give you glory we give you thanks tonight we give you thanks tonight 